Well, this has become a full-time job that doesn't pay. Orny. Orny. Yeah? Adams. Yeah, that's me. Adams. Mm-hmm. Put that together and what do you get? One hell of a Orny guy. Adams. Adams. What's wrong with Orny Adams? <laughs> Whoa! Nothing's wrong with Orny Adams. What's wrong is the world. What's wrong is what happens when I just try and leave my house. You know, even just ordering a sandwich has become torturous. Now, I know COVID's going on, and I know that we can't we can't be full service like we used to be. And I'm very, listen to this, empathetic towards restaurants right now. And I think they should be open and we should all be supporting them. So I go to Mendocino Farms, which maybe it's just a California chain. I know they have several locations here in Los Angeles. So I go to one. And you're not allowed in the restaurant anymore because of COVID. So now, at the front entryway, they've blocked it off. And they've got a guy at a register with a mask, maybe a face shield, okay, ready to take your order. But he's behind a huge plexiglass. So now, I feel like I'm at a hockey game. I feel like I'm ordering a sandwich at a hockey game. I feel like like all of a sudden, the hockey players can come like slam up against the plexiglass and go, what's your order? So I walk up. I say, hey, how you doing? I said, could I have the study of heat sandwich? And he said, it's a lot easier. He points at a QR code. You know what that is, that little square code. Looks like a barcode. He said, it's a lot easier if you scan that with your phone, uh, download the app, and then put the order in there. That's a lot faster. I said, a lot faster for who? Maybe for you, not not for me. I've got to I've got to download an app, and then I've got to find the sandwich, and then I have to answer all these stupid questions like, do I need utensils or do I want extra this or extra that or what? And then I have to put in my credit card number. That's it's a lot faster. Not for me. And then ten minutes later, I realized I ordered from the wrong location because I just I just wanted to order fast. So on the app. I just hit continue. I didn't look at what the pre-selected first location was. And and by the way, does this sound easier than just ordering a sandwich from the guy who's right in front of me behind the plexiglass? So now, now, now I have to drive 20 minutes to get my sandwich. Does this seem faster to anybody? Somebody count me down. I've had enough already. Another theme sent in. Thank you. Thank you to Kirk O'Brien for sending that to me. I'll give the full credits in a minute. Let's just discuss what's happening on this episode. This is episode 12, What's Wrong with Orny Adams? Do you want another 90-day fiancé recap? I'll tell you what we're really going to talk about. We're going to talk about perfectionism. Are you a perfectionist? Does it help your life? Does it hurt your life? I'm going to use Bruce Springsteen as as an example, and I'm going to discuss some of the times that I've been allowed to be a perfectionist. What's wrong? What's wrong with the blueberries? What's wrong with me recycling a banana peel? I mean, there's craziness going on. It's still nice and warm out here in Los Angeles, and then on the East Coast, it hit with snow. They were showing on the news, New York City, 
with snow. It was like 8 in the morning. And it, it already looked disgusting. Snow looked disgusting. You know, cars had driven through it and people had walked and, and urine, urine. And I hope it was from an animal. Uh, you know, the snow gets to, it reminded me of when I lived in New York. We need some going back music. When I lived in New York City and I was in my 20s and I was a struggling comedian and I was fighting it out for stage time and to make a name for myself, I used to walk home from my shows at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, And I'd walk sometimes for miles because I needed to get that that energy, the post-show energy out. Sometimes I'd go to a jazz club and I'd sit there alone. This is bad. I'd sit there and smoke a cigar and have a drink and listen to jazz. It was so cool. Those were the cool days. Then at like six in the morning, you go out for breakfast, eggs. Those were the, I miss those days. Look at me now. I'm in a, in a Shasta trailer converted into a, a, a podcast studio. This is big yellow. We're videotaping again. And th- it's not bad today because I'm not uh, fatty McFatface or any fat face is gone. I can't explain to you. If you're a kid, by the way, or you're young, a lot of adults aren't going to tell you this. It comes to a point in your life where you'll wake up one day and your face is just fat for no reason. You didn't eat more the day before. You don't remember eating sodium. You didn't have like soup, which is like soup. I don't know why they can't make soup that tastes good without a, a ton of sodium. It's like, it's like you might as well take a straw if you can find one of those in 2020 and, and suck, suck the dead sea into your, into your body with the salt. And then you wake up all bloated. You're looking bombed. You're looking bombed. So I feel like today I don't have uh, Orny McFatty face. I feel like my face is, is is decent. I shaved today for the podcast. I've been up since four in the morning writing for this. I, I, I spend days leading up to the podcast writing, writing all my thoughts down, recording, uh pulling audio clips off the internet, pulling audio clips off the TV, editing all that stuff. You don't need to know. But then game day. This is game day. The adrenaline. I wake up. I keep having thoughts. I keep having thoughts. I have a million thoughts. Like, I've already, I'm already on four different topics right now. Okay? I didn't finish Blueberries. I didn't, I didn't finish New York City. Uh, that, that's what happens. I'm up. I'll, I'll tell you what I was up obsessing about at 4 o'clock in the morning in a minute. But I'm here. And now it's, it's about 10 a.m. And uh, happy to be here. So when I lived in New York City, those were the, that, that was the heydays. That, that was truly like an artist. I, I was struggling. I, I wasn't making a lot of money. I remember going to places like Poughkeepsie, New York for a weekend for $300. But it, it was fun. It was fun to make money and have that money go towards your rent and living on the edge and being dependent. All your friends had jobs. Had jo- They were working. They had to get up. They had a schedule. They had bosses to to, you know, to, they were responsible to, and, and I, I was beating the system. There was a sense of I'm beating the system. I, 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 I'm supposed to have a job. I probably was supposed to go to law school. I'm, I'm supposed to be just out of law school looking for a job, but no, look at, I'm getting away with chasing my dream, with being creative, with expressing myself. I, I'm I'm writing jokes, getting up on stage at night, delivering those jokes and making a living. 
And even now I look at, I look at what I have, where I live. And I think, wow, I mean, jokes paid for this. And I think Leno used to say that jokes, look at his house and go jokes paid for this. That's comics are very proud of that because we, most of us know we could be doing something else and making a lot of money, but we take this risk and then for it to pay off. But New York, things were tight. I remember I took an acting class. I took one acting class, hated it, hated it, hated it. I don't believe in acting classes. I believe you either have it or you don't. They can't teach you. Like when we shot Teen Wolf, you you just, they can't teach you you're going to sit outside in the freezing cold for 15 hours watching people set up a camera and get the lighting right and the angles and then something goes wrong. And then all of a sudden, okay, we have to break. We have to break for lunch. You're like, lunch? It's 3 a.m. Well, we're on a different schedule. We go by this. And you're like, what? I'm ready. I just want to say my one line. I just want to go yell, shut it, or whatever the line. No, no. Got to go to law. Now you got to go. Now you got to force yourself to eat uh, stuff you don't want to eat at 3 a.m. just to have the energy to shoot the next scene. And then you come back, and they're like, we got to hurry up because now the lights change. Now they have to change all the lighting again. And now, now the director wants to do a different angle. It's like, we're, sh- we're just shooting a TV show for MTV. This isn't a Scorsese film. We don't have to have 55 angles. Can we just shoot this and I can go home? Can I resume my life as a stand-up comedian, please? Please? Then then comes time for you to do your... Now, now they're like, okay, uh, coach, we're ready for you. Ready for you. Everybody get in position. Let's... Let's block it. Let's find where everybody's standing. Let's we we rehearsed it ten hours ago, okay? Now comes time to do it. Well, I don't remember anything. I don't remember a single line. I don't even know what show I'm on anymore. I'm frozen. I've been standing in a field and I'm absolutely frozen. I can't I can't remember my lines at this point. They don't teach you that in acting class. They teach you to sit there and repeat, repeat after the person, listen, have an activity, whatever shit they do. Listen, I don't care how many, uh, how many acting classes I take. I'll never be a great actor. I'll never be what, uh, what is Meryl Streep? I'll never be as great as her. Watch Meryl Streep. She is in control of every single muscle in her face. She is that good. She is that. When I watch her, I go, she's dialed in. That that little muscle to the right next to her ear is even communicating exactly what she spoke. Her her muscles on her chin are emoting. It's genius. So I don't care how much acting. In acting class, they should teach you how to stand in a field for 15 hours, frustrated, and then when they go, go now. We have have a half hour to get this. Hurry up. Go, go, go. Orny, get get the line right. And then if I screw up the line, then everybody, oh, Orny screwed it up. Now you got that pressure. You got the pressure of, I don't want to be the guy who screws this up, and then we don't get the shot tonight. And then cost MTV all this money. So now, okay, how, how comfortable are you now? Doing your scene that you studied in the comfort of your home. You had your friend read the lines with you or whatever your process is. Now you've been on the field for 15 hours and it's go time. And you got, we only got one take, Orny. We got one take to do on you. So you got to get it. Because, you know, I was never given the many takes. That was for the, the leads, the important people. I was given one take. All right, Orny, you got it. Now, uh, I got it. I got one take. Usually I have 15 takes. We have to do the angle over my head with a quarter of my ear because that's important. 
And then we got to do the long shot from 50 yards away and then a crane shot above me. It's There's so much waste in production. I cannot tell you. I was watching this movie. What was this? In, in Good Company? Is that what it's called? In Good Company. Let me find it in my notes here. Where is that note? I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to be discussing this. Yeah, in good, in good Company with Dennis Quaid. This movie, there is a point, I guess Dennis Quaid is the old guy. He's had this job forever, does a great job, and then a young guy comes in, and he's now, he's, he's now going to take Dennis Quaid's job. But do they fire Dennis Quaid? No, no. They demote him. So now his boss is the younger, good-looking guy, probably a version of him. And then Dennis makes the mistake of inviting the new young guy over to his house for dinner, and he falls in love with Dennis Quaid's daughter. What a stupid premise. But I watched this movie, and there's a point where the, the new guy comes into Dennis's office, and it's now his office. And Dennis comes in and goes, what are you doing in my office? And the guy's like, uh, oh, I'm your, new, I'm your new boss. By the way, this is my new office. And... Uh, you know, like that's that ever really happens in real life. Like the, that's how that's how the news is broken to you. The new guys in your office, right? So already, I don't like this film because it's not believable. And then they do this scene. I I don't remember why because I'm already dialed out. I'm already angry. I'm already yelling at the TV. This is stupid. This is dumb. This doesn't happen in real life. But the two of them, like, because Dennis knows it's in his best interest to take, you know, to be nice to this guy. They shake hands. Okay, they shake hands. Yeah. Do you, do you know what a handshake looks like? Two people shake hands? How many angles do you need on that? Think maybe just an angle of them shaking hands. You get the point, right? They're going to they're gonna work it out. You get, you get it, right? Like when Woody Allen does films, what does he do? He does one, one shot. I think it's called a tableau shot. And that's it. And it's not a... Somebody's talking. They don't zoom in on that person talking sometimes. Okay, he's telling a story. Camera angles, you don't need that to tell a great story. Tell a great story. And I know Woody Allen's controversial now, but, you know, guy knows how to direct films and write them, that's for sure. As concise of a comedy writer as there is out there. You want to study comedy. Anyway, they shake hands. Guess what? I counted. Seven, 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 seven camera angles on a handshake. They had, you know, Dennis's point of view, then the other guy's point of view, then then uh, over one guy's head, then from behind, then from on top. And then they even, they were in a building. They even went outside the building. God knows what floor they're on. And they had some a camera from outside shooting through the window of a handshake. This is so absurd. They probably spent a day shooting a handshake. And you wonder why films are so over budget and why some people are so underpaid and some people are overpaid. What a bunch of bullshit. Seven angles on a handshake. How did I get into this? (laughs) I thought I was going to talk about the snow in New York City. Oh, acting lessons. I took acting lessons and I remember... Everybody, I think you had to be, you had to have money to take acting lessons in New York City at this this studio. You had to audition. You had to audition to get into the studio. Like they turn anybody down. I didn't realize at the time. I was like, wow, I got accepted into the, I can't remember. It was a, a really big studio. With 
I think it was a Stanislavski method. Does anybody listen to this that took acting classes with me? Because I know I've seen you guys on social media talking about it. We used to, I, I couldn't take it seriously. It was so, the, the actors in there, you want to know annoying people, actors. They take themselves so seriously. And there's, and there's just, there's, there's no reason to be serious about some of this stuff. Just, just go act to your best ability. You're the, uh, you're, you're either, uh, uh, what was her name? I just said her name and I just forgot it already. You're either Meryl Streep or you're not. I mean, I consider myself really funny, but like Vince Vaughn on camera is so funny. He's just, I can't, I'm not, doesn't matter what I do, I'll never be as funny on camera as Vince Vaughn. Uh, but you put me on a stand-up stage and, uh, Good luck. Come come, come for me, anybody. That's where my confidence is. That's where I can control every muscle in my face. That's where my chin can emote the joke. But acting, they ought to teach you in acting class how to sit around and be bored out of your mind and then be ready to go. Go! Like, like the acting teachers just show up at your wherever you live and knock on the door. You're like, hello? They're like, go, do the scene now! Because that's what acting is. Acting is really technical. And then you've got to be able to pull from inside of you at that moment. Well, sometimes what's inside of me, I'm thinking about a joke I'm writing. I don't have time to be, you know, coach at that moment. I hated that acting class. But everybody brought a bottle of water. This was right when bottled water came out. I don't, I don't know if people know this, but you, you, you couldn't always get 24 bottles of water for $3.99. It was, it was a, a novelty. That was a sign of richness and goods. I've got a bottle of water. You'd have to go to the bodega and spend about a, do- a dollar. I I couldn't even afford the subway. A dollar. So what I did was I filled up my bottle of water every week for acting class with the Brita filter and I put the cap on. And nobody could tell. Nobody could tell that I wasn't one of these people that had enough means to buy a new bottle Every week. Now, I, I could tell you that I was doing it because I'm, uh, I care about the environment. But that's not true. I wasn't thinking about the environment. I was thinking about my wallet. Now I would think more in those terms. I'm not big on bottled water anymore. In fact, I have one of those, those bottles I fill up, and it's got a nice little handle. I walk around. I look very uh, Gen R, Gen Q, Gen, Gen something. So now I'm in acting class, ready for this this moment, taking a sip, I looked at the label on my bottle of water, and it was getting ratty. Yeah, it was tattered. That's what the British would say. It was tattered. The bottle was tattered, and I had to cover it up because I didn't want the people, the, the, the other people, the fake actors, to think less of me. So when I saw the, uh, <laughs> this podcast is, I haven't even played the introductory uh, introduction clip to the podcast yet. We're at 19 minutes. The, uh, so I saw, this is why my head, it's crazy. I saw a clip on the news of snow in New York and it reminded me of when I was done with my shows and it snowed. I saw snow in New York before it was dirty, before anybody was on the street. It was the most gorgeous, most majestic thing. It was such a beautiful memory. Thank you, universe, for for making it that I lived 
that I couldn't afford the subway, that I had to walk home. Thank you, universe. See, sometimes a negative can be a positive. I couldn't afford the subway or I didn't want to spend, it was 85 cents. I didn't want to spend 85 cents on the subway. I wanted to save it for something else. Okay? that I lived frugal. And it afforded me that opportunity to see. How many people can say they've seen snow in New York that's beautiful, untouched by humans? Very few. Very few, I say. I don't, I don't even know where I am this show. I've, I've completely lost. Where, give me a little uh, music. Hit it. There we go. Oh, I didn't say who this was. You ready for this? That's some good. That's some good playing right there. That is uh, Kirk O'Brien playing the mandolin and rhythm guitar. Now, uh, Kirk is in a band called the uh, Fox. 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 Which I had that written down. Uh, and then on this is Eric Hansen playing lead guitar. And uh, Vicki Jensen is one of the uh, female voices. She's a director. And this was recorded on uh, an iPhone by Simon Garland. It was a videographer. I hope that they should just give me permission to just play, you know, put the video out there because it's really kind of cool. They're on a boat and they're doing the theme. And I love Kirk's voice. Kirk, he's got a warmth. I know, I've know i come to know this guy. He's a neighbor. He's very cool. Just such a likable guy. You can hear us. Listen to his laugh at the beginning of this thing. Right, this, this is Kirk. You'll, you'll, you'll get it right here. <laughs> that's him. Hear that laugh? Yeah, that's it. Ready? Yeah. You want to be around that guy. Listen. <laughs> Come on, come on. You want to be around that guy. Come on. Let's listen to it one more time. Yeah. That's everybody's friend. You think I'm everybody's friend? No. Why, why didn't I go further in this business? Because I don't, I don't have this. I don't... Oh God, I keep hitting the wrong stuff. <laughs> Forget the stuff. Because I don't have this. An infectious laugh. Listen to that. Yeah. That's an infectious laugh. The Lord didn't give me that. You know what the Lord gave me? A sense of humor. The Lord said to me, he said, we're going to give you 10 extra pounds on your body, but a brain and a sense of humor. And I said, I'll take it. And Kirk, they said, we're going to give you an infectious personality with that laugh. He won. He won. You know, like when I, this is why I think I didn't go further in this business. You know, there's some people, and I'm not talking about Kirk. Seems like the nicest guy in the world. Although, he, you know, he might be a serial killer. We don't know. We don't know. Do we know people? We don't know people. So uh, I'm right now, disclaimer, if Kirk is a serial killer, then um, I take back everything I said about him. But some people really have this infectious personality, this likability, charisma, a charisma. I don't have, I have stage charisma that I've crafted, but off stage, nobody wants to hang out with me because you don't go out with me and feel better about yourself. Like, you don't go to lunch with me and go, wow, wow, I, I feel better about myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get a lot done. No, you, you look at me, and you're looking right in the truth. You're, you're looking into the face of truth when you go to lunch with Orny Adams. And, and everything, every weakness you see is a reflection in my eye. Every one of your deficiencies you see reflected right back at you. And although I don't even have to say it, 
And perhaps I hint at it. You feel it. You know I'm seeing right through you. Now, do you want to give that guy a TV show or a movie? No. You want to give this guy. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Laffy Face. Mr. Laffy McLaffy Face. Because that's the guy you want to be around. And I get it. I totally get it. That is, uh, so that's Kirk O'Brien, Eric Hansen, and and uh, Vicki Jensen. Vicki Jensen is actually a director, directs animation. She did Shark Tale and Shrek, which won an Academy Award. So for all you people that go, oh, I don't have time to write, a, uh, to, to do a, a theme song version, or I don't have time to write an email or to, sh- to share your stuff, Orny. I have big time directors. Big time, big, big, big time directors covering my theme song. All right? So shame on you. Shame on all the people that follow me. And we're up to over a million now across platforms. Boy, I saw somebody else post something. She had 79,000 followers. And that thing got more retweets and more people commenting underneath it. She was just asking for podcast advice, and somebody suggested my podcast. Oh, and by the way, let me read some of this stuff, because I have some, some emails from people. If you want to contact me, what's wrong at orneyadams.com. What's wrong at orneyadams.com. My social media, at orneyadams. You know, I'm not into super promoting this thing. I sort of want it to be what it is. And then I can be me, and then the correct people uh, sort of gravitate towards this. You know, with COVID, I can't remember half the words I'm supposed to remember. I'm like, is it gravitate? I don't want to say the wrong. I don't want to say gravitate. And then people go, you said gravitate. Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but at 25 minutes into the podcast, you said gravitate when you meant uh, gravitate, when you meant uh, uh, drawn to. Uh, this is, oh, no, wrong email. Oh, lots of emails, lots of exciting emails. This is from Linda. She said, uh, hey, Arnie, I'm promoting you. Evidence by the text I got from my sister tonight, Carol. Carol writes, thanks for turning me on to Orny Adams' podcast. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I laugh out loud during my morning walks. How about that? People sharing the podcast. I didn't even ask Linda to do it. She just did it. And I, and I thank you for that. Now, Linda, her last name is Parrot. I, I don't know if I can say this. Well, I'm going to say it. Her, her dad is Gene Parrot, who was a famous comedy writer, wrote for The Carol Burnett Show, Welcome Back, Cotter, and Bob Hope. And when I, I'm telling you this, and because they're trying to do a documentary about Gene, and what's fascinating is you talk to anybody from my generation. Now, we did comedy because... It was pure. We, we, we saw it as something. It was frontier. There weren't that many people doing it. There weren't even that many comedy clubs. It was, it was an edgy decision to make, but it was inside of me. And I felt like the people I was working with, they felt that too. There was something inside. Now you got people that just like, you know, they crack the code on comedy. They see how to write a joke. They, they see the pattern. They go this and this and that. I mean, you see it on the internet. People, people that aren't even comedians try and be funny because they see the code for how to be funny. Newscasters, but they don't have it in their heart. They don't have a, a, a comic's heart, a comic's mind. It's a different thinking pattern. And I'm not saying that comics are better than other people, but they just think differently. Just like doctors do 
and lawyers do and philosophers do and painters do and people that uh, work at Mendocino Farms and tell me to download the, the QR code to. So her father, and this is why I'm saying this, Gene Parrott, well, this show's already way over. I haven't played a single clip yet. What am I doing? Her father, Gene Parrott, he had a thing, uh, a book called Comedy Writing Secrets, maybe? And everybody who was a comic got this book. There weren't many books written about comedy. You didn't have Steve Martin's book. There weren't podcasts. Okay, let's put it that way. There weren't podcasts where you could tune in every day to several comedians talking about the craft. There wasn't craft discussion was something that was done after the show, before the shows in the green room, afterwards getting a drink. And you talk to, we used to, believe it or not, we didn't have podcasts. I would drive the headliners to their shows in other cities, even if I wasn't on the show. And I would just listen to them talk. I would just listen to the, I, I think I drove DJ Hazard and Boss. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't him. But you would, these headliners... You would drive them, and you would try and suck every bit of information out of them. And you had such respect for them. And then at some point, it just flipped. All younger comics thought, nah, we're better than, we're be- we, don't need, we don't need the old people, the old outdated people. So Gene Parrott, and then he had something called the Comedy Roundtable, right? It was a newsletter. I subscribed to it. You had to pay for this news before the internet, everybody. Before the internet. Somebody would send you physically in the mail a letter, and it was an update, and I think it probably had tips or had quotes or whatever, It was, but I was part of a community. It, I felt like I was part of something. This is how much I loved comedy. It was in my blood from a young age, young age. So to have sought advice or guidance from Gene Parrott at one point in my career when I was really young, and I, I know I was young because... The newsletter was sent to my family home. I hadn't even left for college yet. so And I read his his book. And now to have his daughters listening to my podcast. I mean, they're, they're comedy uh, royalty, Linda and Carol. So thank you for listening to the podcast. Say hi to your dad for me. I know you're working on a documentary about his life. And we talked about it because at one point I was thinking of producing some documentaries with a company. And uh, so thank you. Tell everyone I said hi and, and I'm and excited to... See this documentary. Absolutely. I want to talk about, on this podcast, I'm going to talk about perfectionism. And let me lay out what's going to happen, because this is dropping on a Monday, which is unusual. Usually, my podcasts drop on Thursday. Although, I told you, no schedule. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But we're, uh, I want to purge everything that was what's wrong with Orny Adams before the end of this shit year 2020, okay? So if you've been listening to this podcast, you know the the original concept was a lot different than what, what it's become. It was, I was going to go out on the road, I was going to gather interesting interviews with fascinating people, and I was going to come back, I was going to edit them, make them like a story, very NPR, very, uh, I don't know what podcast you'll listen to, where there's voiceover, and uh, then the pandemic hit, and I was going to have a guest in, and we were going to comment about that. It was going to be thematic, very overproduced and glossy. Well, guess what? Can't do that because of COVID. Guess what? The format I'm working on now is actually better. This is better, what you're listening to now, because it's just me. And it's just, it's loose, but also written at the same time. I put into every one of these podcasts that you're listening to the same amount of work I put into my stand-up comedy. 
I spend hours, hours thinking about it, talking to myself, what phrases, you know, making sure I'm knowledgeable, making sure it's something that's going to interest you, worried about flow and timing and then structure. Then this goes first and this goes first and this goes second, not two first in a row. Who says two first in a row? This goes first, this goes second. And then I'm up all night talking to myself. So here's the schedule uh, for the rest of 2020. On Christmas, December 25th, on Christmas, if that if it's still Christmas this year, is it maybe COVID changed that too? Is December 25th Christmas? On December 25th, Christmas, I will be dropping what was the original concept. For those that have listened, no, I did three. The first one, episode three on this podcast with Christella. What's wrong with Orny Adams, Christella? The second one, which has been done and in the can pre-COVID, is with my friend Harlan Williams. That is dropping. Do I say dropping? That sounds like I'm trying to fit in too much. I'll be releasing. It's not something I would say, dropping. What am I? Dropping my new album? It will be released Christmas Day, December 25th. If for any reason Christmas is not the 25th, it will be released on the 25th. Okay, then the third, the final, the last pre-recorded original What's Wrong with Orny Adams because these things are sounding dated. Okay, I don't want people to tune in and go, whoa, this is, this is I don't know if I like this podcast because I like, you know, I thought episode 10 was my best. Then I thought episode 11 was my best. And I hope that episode 12 I'll think is my best. That's I think we're doing 12 now. I don't think those old ones are my best. I don't know. I haven't listened to them in a while, but they were super produced and tight and I was trying to sell it. And and then I said, screw it. I I actually don't want to work for anybody anymore. I don't want to be beholden. Okay. I'm not auditioning. My agents send me uh, auditions and I don't even open the emails. I'm not bragging, but I'm done. I'm out. Thank you. You, you want me? I'll work for you. You can call me and say, Hey, Ornie, I'm a director. I directed this. And I want you in this. That's what Jeff Davis did. That's how I got on Teen Wolf. He sent me the script and and wrote the part for me. And I understood Jeff's vision. But I'm not going to work on something that I don't believe in. Or else the words aren't going to come out with any meaning. I understood Coach. I believe at times I understood Coach better than the writers. Because a lot of times Jeff and I understood it on a different level. And and that gave me license to sort of say, I, I, I think I would do this line like this. And they go, oh, you know, what makes you think that? I'm like, oh, I don't know, because I've been playing the coach for six years and you just joined the writing staff. So the third, the final, original, and then au revoir, original, au revoir, mes amis, as we say in France, au revoir, mes amis. The original concept of what's wrong with Orny Adams. Moving forward in 2021, it will be all new, except for I may release some of the guest unknown, which I still believe in, where I interview fascinating people anonymously. And these people are involved in crimes, and they've done seedy, seedy stuff, and they don't want their names known. If you know people that fall under this category, they have a really interesting story, please uh, have them contact me at whatswrongandorneyadams.com. I'm always looking for interesting people. I collect them in my life, and I'd love to talk to them. I've been trying to get uh, an Academy Award-winning actor who is unfortunately not healthy right now, older, but he's got an interesting story, and I want to tell that. Okay, so on the 31st, which 
according to my calculations, unless COVID changed this, is the last day of 2020. Now, I know everyone thinks mysteriously things are going to change when the calendar year changes. Uh, got news for you. The calendar is man-made. COVID was made by the Lord. Made by the Lord, okay? And the Lord works on its own schedule. Uh, hallelujah. This reminds me of going down to the river with the Bible and dipping my toe in. Somebody, somebody save me. Somebody touch me. I put my toe in the river and the Lord, and Lord, and Lord has said unto me, you, my son, will have 10 extra pounds, but a sense of humor. I said, I'll take it. That's right. That's when I sold sold my uh, soul. My soul for 10 pounds and a sense of humor. <laughs> I think we just found the name for this episode. Sold my soul for 10 pounds and a sense of humor. Oh, boy. So on the 31st, the last day of 2020, the final. This will be What's Wrong with Oney Adams with Tom Green, comedian Tom Green. So we have Harlan Williams, Canadian comedian. Tom Green, Canadian comedian. Uh, two really funny friends, the friends, and they're interesting interviews. So that's that. This is this will drop on Monday. Then we have Christmas. And there might be more in between. I don't know. I, I don't know. This This is... I mean, I'm at 37 minutes. I haven't even played. I've got clips. I've got clips. I've got, uh, the, you know, this guy yelling at me again. You know, no, it's a little embarrassing, Frank. This is why I didn't want to do your podcast. Okay. Yeah. Do you not want to yeah. talk? No, That's I do, Stephen but Allen just... Green. Okay. That guy, uh, what happened was he, and I, he, people wanted an update. And I went, I'm going to play you a clip from 2019. Uh, that's a sort of a continuation of what we talked about on a previous podcast. And then an update. But on this podcast, I want to I want to discuss perfectionism, and I know that um, this has already gone on way too long. It's already we're already. I guess I have more to say than I thought. I, I I guess being pent up in my house for nine months, I didn't realize I had so much to say. But there's a fine line between saying stuff of of substance, substantive, and then being needy. I don't ever want to be needy. Needy artists are not good artists. Um, but I was up at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. Because I don't know if you saw on Instagram, I posted a, a picture of me with a guitar. People like, do you, with all these beautiful guitars behind me, people say, do you play guitar? Well, I, I, I don't. I play a few chords. And so I started strumming this one chord. And I, and I have a great ear for music. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes when I talk about Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan. But I was strumming an E and I said, and I went, wham. You know, like a caveman. Boom, boom, boom. No finesse, because I'm not a, I'm not a, a guitarist. Boom, boom, boom. And I go, oh, it sounds like that song. And I, I started singing. When I, when I come home, when I wake up, I'm gonna wake up next to you. I'm gonna be the man that wakes up next to you. So I was playing that, and then I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. I thought, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that. Uh, on the podcast. So rather than sleeping, I thought it's probably more important that I, I Google what was that? What, what was that band? What was that band? And it was the uh, proclaimers. You know, it's one of these 
hipster, they're Scottish, one of these hipster bands, you know, where the, the two lead guys, or there's only two in the band, they look alike. Well, it turns out they're twins. They, they, it turns out they, they, they're, 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 they're Scottish. And what makes that song fun, here are the lyrics. When I wake up, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man that wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man that goes along with you. So I'm listening to this and I'm listening to the lyrics, reading the lyrics as I, as I listen to it or watch the video, because I want to get into these guys four o'clock in the morning. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man that gets drunk next to you. All right, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Four o'clock in the morning. It's a great song. It's, it's so simple, but I get what these guys are trying to communicate. And, and then this line comes on. And if I have her, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. I go, havering? What is havering? That's when I Googled, where are these guys from? Havering. And they're Scottish. So I go, this must be a Scottish word. So what, what, excuse me, what, what is, what is, what is, what is havering? So now I'm looking up the havering. And it's Scottish, and it means to talk foolishly, to chatter, to maunder. Maunder? Now I got to look up maunder. Where's, where's the definition for maunder? Ready for this? Maunder. Chiefly British. To grumble. Now I got to look up grumble. To speak indistinctively. Or disconnectedly. I can't even speak. To speak indistinctively or disconnectedly. Maunder. I think we had a we had a, a deli where I grew up in the town I grew up called Maunders. Maunder. I'm gonna start accusing people of that. Stop your maundering. There are a lot of words we need to bring back, like malarkey, grumble, maunder. Anyway, then I remembered I got an email from a fan. So now my head's five. I'm f- four o'clock in the morning. I should be sleeping. Instead, I'm Googling Maunder definition. So this is from Christy. I won't use her last name. Hi, I just wanted to say I love your podcast. I've loved your comedy for a long time. Please, please, please do a whole podcast about 90 Day Fiance. I live in Scotland, so I can't watch it, uh, but I'm living it vicariously through you. I can't get enough of you talking about it. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. You really make my day when you put out an episode. So thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Christy. I really appreciate it. So then I get up out of the bed. Now I've, now I've got to go to, now I've got to go to a screen, a computer that has surround sound, and I've got to listen to this song over. Now, now I'm in the, 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 the 500, uh, the, the, what is it? 500 miles that I'm going to be the man. So now, I'm just watching video after video of these guys. Then I want to see covers. And I'm I'm shocked that more people didn't cover this song. The song I'm talking about is the Proclaimers. It's called 500 Miles. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Two brothers, Craig Reed and Charles Reed. They were born in Leith, Leith, Scotland. On the 5th of March, 1962. They have the coolest accents. So nobody's covering this song. The only people covering it, the, the most popular one is by Imagine Dragon, who I don't I don't even know this band. I've heard the name before, but I can see why I don't listen to him. The guy's wearing super skinny jeans and a stupid shirt that's tight, and he has a man bun. And this is in, in 2019, so he should have known by then not to wear the man bun. 
Then I saw him covering another song. He's covering uh, Every Step You Take or something. And he's sitting on the stage with his shirt off. This is not, uh, imagine dragons. But I I just want to see who's covering the proclaimers. How many videos do I have to look through till I find somebody in a kilt? And sure enough, third video down, kilt. Somebody in a kilt. Nobody's really covering this, this song. It's such a great song. It's so easy to play. It's three simple chords, E-A-B. And, uh, of course, people on The Voice did it and, and uh, X Factor or whatever, that, those shows. And they made it into a ballad and they tried to have soul. There's no soul. This is a song that cuts, cuts at your soul. This, this, is, this is a guy, he's trying to say something. The accent's a large part of it. Their background. You can't just step up to the microphone on your reality singing shows and think you got, you know what they're saying. How dare you? How dare you? So I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to get into art. I'm playing this right now for you, uh, Christy. This is a uh, a 90-day fiancé segment that I had already recorded. Okay, let's watch this together, or I'll watch you listen. This is one of the new couples on the new season of 90 Day Fiancé. This is Jovi. He's 29. Good-looking guy. Looks like a cross between Ben Affleck and comedian Pete Davidson, neither of which I've met. I'm 29 years old and I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's already drinking. I love living in New Orleans. The vibe's great. There's always stuff going on 24 hours a day. Drinking, 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 drinking. It's probably a little crazy. Probably party too much. It just never stops. Oh, he's got the fishing pole. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to move to a big city like New Orleans. That's oh, the bayou, alligators. In a small town called La Rose, Louisiana. It's uh, basically swamp and marshland. We can try this crab trap right here. So he's out crabbing. He's into boats. Probably crawfish cooks. We do stuff like that. Basically, it's all about family and food. We'll hang out on our back deck. We'll have drinks. We'll cook food. Anything goes, basically. Oh, got a catfish. Catfish. Wink, wink. So he works in underwater robotics. And he travels for a living. He'll go out on a boat, work on a project, stays on the boat for weeks at a time. And then he's on the shore for weeks at a time. Uh, and he gets to see the world, and I guess that's how he met. Let's find out. To start to meet people, and one day, I met a girl named Yara. She's 25 years old from Kiev, Ukraine. Very attractive. I mean, this is a good-looking couple. They, they, they should definitely be together. Yara's a very beautiful girl. She turns heads when she walks in the street. So do I. So we started talking, like, quite a bit and realized we like a lot of the same things. We both like beaches. We both like to scuba dive. We both like to travel. Right, I gotta stop it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. They're, physically, they're a match. He's attractive. She's attractive. But you can just tell by the way she dresses. She's just into a different lifestyle. You know, she wants to be on the yacht. He wants to be on, on the shrimp boat. She's impeccably dressed. And he's wearing camo. But, you know, off, opposites can attract. So let's watch the show. Let's, let's find out what happens to this couple. I decided I was going to meet this girl in Budapest. She's from Budapest. Okay. I had zero expectations going to meet her for the first time. 
I was definitely not looking at this as I was meeting my future wife. I was thinking I was having a two-day fling with a Ukrainian woman in Budapest. Oh, okay, okay. She's she is Ukrainian. Okay. I was having a two-day fling with a Ukrainian woman in Budapest. The first night was really awkward. I didn't know what to say to her. She didn't know what to say to me. We come from two completely different cultures. After a couple glasses of wine, next thing you know, we hooked up, had really good sex. This guy's a drinker. Things got better from that point, of course. Yara is currently doing makeup in Kiev to like pay her bills. Yara is an extremely girly girl. She loves all her luxury things. I mean, I can't imagine this woman is close. I'm a very simple kind of person, like a little bit of fish in here and there, have a few beers and that's it. Yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine her wanting to move. Who calls in the middle of 90 Day Fiance? I can't imagine that uh, that sh- she's going to be happy. Well, I guess he lives in New Orleans. So that's why you watch this show. You you, you get it. He sort of explains their backstory. And we have the same views. You know, we're both family-oriented. That's important to me. So that's kind of funny to say, a girl from Ukraine to fall in love with a guy from the bayou, but it happened. And in all the pictures, he looks like big city. He doesn't really look like who he is. We went to the Dominican Republic. Bali. I went to Ukraine multiple times. So why is she coming to America? Because they just seem a little different. Too carefree because then Yara got pregnant. Oh! Oh! When she told now we got it. Now we got a story. Unexpected. Here I am, so nervous. This is not what I'm ready for. I thought she was trying to trap me. I thought this is her ticket to America. Yeah, that's what we're all thinking. But after the shock wore off. It actually, like, pulled us pretty close together. Boo! Happiness! We were six months in our relationship. We loved each other. We went to Cuba, and I proposed to her under the water. Yeah, they're underwater, and he's proposing. So ridiculous. Hold on. I hate people that do stuff like this. Just, just propose. Just ask them. Anywhere. They're underwater. I'm, I've paused it. I'm looking. This... This infuriates me. They're wearing goggles. They've got oxygen tanks. And how is he communicating? And he pulls out the ring. I wish a fish came by and swallowed that ring and swam away. That's what I wish. Stupid, stupid exotic proposals. Seriously. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? This fantasy, this... Then we got bad news. Uh Yara lost the baby. But, you know, the viewer's thinking, was she ever really pregnant? Was she trying to trap him? You you, you just don't know. So, fast forward, she's now coming to America. He's decided that that he loves her. And he's got flowers, he's about to meet her at the airport. Uh, This can't go wrong, can it? Ready to see New Orleans? When? Tonight? No. Tonight, yeah. Oh, you've got to see her face. She's exhausted. You can. T- she's been on a plane for 30 hours. Her eyes look like mine. She's just, she's, she's beat. And they hug, and the first thing she says is, I think I smell. And he's like, yeah, I, I think you do. Let, let's go party. That's what he wants. He wants to take her out to Bourbon Street to party, to show her off. And... She's like, dude, I've been on a plane for 30 hours. I just want to shower. I, I told you I smell. I don't feel attractive. And he doesn't care. So here's new season, new couple, 
fight number one, right out of the gate. Ready to see New Orleans? When? Tonight? No. Tonight? Yeah. Yes. She wants to go home and shower and go to bed, which that sounds like a good plan for me. You know. Let her see the real New Orleans. Cool. Everything which I want to see tonight is just shower and bed. Everything I want to do tonight is shower and bed. And he smi- Well, he loses his smile right there. It's not a joke. Thirty hours is not a joke. Thirty hours, dude. You fly as soon Doha, Boston, Boston, New Orleans, and I flew like. She's yelling at him for the route of the long thirty-hour flight. She accuses him of being too cheap to buy a direct flight, so she had to zigzag to get to America. I mean, he—it's not very empathetic. I mean, he should know she would want to shower. I mean, she's the guest. Do what she wants to do. I mean, I look at her and I want to shower and go to bed. There's already friction. They haven't even left the airport. They're already fighting. And in the previews for the upcoming episodes, uh, she accuses him of drinking at 8 in the morning. Later on in the season, she finds out he slept with strippers. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind when you're, you're thinking of dating one of these Bayou boys. You can already see where this is going. 90 Day Fiance. Mm, gives me something to look forward to every Sunday. A lot of people look forward to football. 90 Day Fiance. Orny, I, I actually combined Orny. the two. Adams. Adams. Put that together and what do you get? Orny, Orny Adams. That's, What's wrong with Orny Adams? That is young Haley. They're in, these, they're in Oregon. And her mom, Rachel. Haley, I think she's under 10. This, this theme song is so catchy. People are just covering it. So, uh, Haley and Rachel, thank you for doing that and sending it to me at what's wrong at orneyadams.com. That's the official email for this podcast. People all over the place are covering it. Listen to this one from last episode 11. This is Heather. She's in New Jersey. Just another rainy day in Jersey. Why is it always raining? Why is it always raining? Oh, yeah, tell me that. Uh, He's got crazy hair. What? Orny, Orny, Adams, Adams. Yeah, so if you're into covering this, you just want to communicate with me. His uh, name's Orny. 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 I have some amazing news to tell you about uh, Stephen Allen Green. I'm going to play you two clips of his, one from 2019, and then an update a little bit later in this show. Yes, can you believe it? At 54 minutes, I can say later in the show. Yeah, that's right. This whole podcast was going to be about artists chasing perfection. But guess what? That's not happening. Because it's going to take so much of energy, mind, energy, and focus for me to discuss this. Because I'm going to discuss Bruce Springsteen in this documentary I saw called promise the making of the edge of darkness i think that's what it's called that that album of his uh yeah it's called promise the making of darkness on the edge of town it, it was in, this was a documentary an hbo documentary it's no longer on hbo i checked hbo max and uh, i i checked uh, i don't want to say the name of the, the these places that don't give me my comedy specials don't don't put my comedy specials on their platforms i don't want to say their names but i went to those Eventually, I went to iTunes, and I paid $4.99 to watch this documentary because it was something very specific they talked about. This was about making an album and the, the obsession that goes into it. And prior to this, when this came out in 2010, 
you know, I didn't, Bruce Springsteen was, I liked him. I thought it was cool. Kind of annoyed me at times because he reminded me of the Jersey kids in college that were annoying. And it even seeped into Philadelphia. Andy Roseman in his stupid Eagles t-shirt. I, I still hate the Eagles because of Andy Roseman. I hate him more for that than beating my Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, so they loved, they would play Bruce Springsteen all the, it was their anthem. And I, I'm a Boston boy. We got Muddy Water. We got Muddy Waters. We got the, we got Boston, the band with Jay Giles. And guess what? Hate to tell you, Stephen Van Zant, lead guitarist, original guitarist, E Street Band, grew up in Winthrop, Massachusetts. You can't get much more Boston than that. That's in the river, that's in the bay, or uh, whatever you call that body of water, and it's next to Logan Airport, okay? That's hardcore Boston. I'm not that much Boston. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the safe Boston area, okay? So part of the E Street Band is Boston-born. Take that, Andy Roseman, then, and uh, Sh- Sh- John Schwartz. These are my buddies from college that turned me against the Eagles and Bruce Springsteen. But when I saw this documentary, I said, this guy's the real deal. He is the real deal. He's an artist. And I, 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 I fell in love with him instantly. I, I, I got what he was trying to do. I saw it. I saw his vision. Listen to this. This is uh, this is from the documentary. And I invite you to watch the documentary now. I've watched it. I will discuss it on episode 13, which I wasn't planning. Uh, but now this will bleed into episode 13. And this is much like my, my stand-up shows. If you come to my shows, before my shows for hours, I sit there with my note cards and my notes and I... And I, and I put together a map. This is the way the show's going to go. And at this point, I'm going to insert this new hunk of material, like like the buddy bench I was working on last week, uh, the last episode. I would go, I'm going to put that after this because I know this hunk really works. So, and then I'll, and then I'll go into this because I know that this area. And then my mind gets distracted. Like at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, all of a sudden I'm looking up Maunder, the word Maunder. A lot of feedback on the buddy bench. Ooh, Wow. People loved the buddy bench. They loved me getting into a fight with the vegans. They couldn't get enough of it. Haley on YouTube said, sounds like the vegans need a timeout on the listening bench. (laughs) And then somebody else DM'd me on Instagram and said, or maybe there's a comment under the video, because we're now recording video of this podcast, and we're going to post some clips, said, uh, boy, I've never heard somebody talk about a bench so much. But I'm obsessed with this buddy bench. And a lot of people commented, say, yeah, I wouldn't sit on the bench because then you're pointing out that you have no friends. But here's the other thing. I got into a fight with those three vegans. All I wanted to say, all I floated out was one line. All I said was, um, hey, they're, they're teach. Hey, did- yeah, I'm at the party. I'm at a party. And I just want to float my new buddy bench jokes. Well, you know, I was talking to my nephew. He told me they have a school uh, at school. They have a bench in, in, in the in the playground called the buddy bench, where if you feel like you're sad or you don't have any friends, you sit there, and then another student comes over and comforts you. All of a sudden, we're we're we're, we're dispatching little mini therapist because in a prior class they, they taught him empathy. So I think I go, this is absurd. I I do. I thought it was absurd. Now 
So I, I just want to float the line out there. I want to get into it. So, hey, 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 do you guys know they're teaching empathy in school? Well, three vegans attacked me before I could even get the line out. Basically bullied me. They wanted to pummel me before I even got a word out. And and I thought, what happened to healthy discourse? Let's let's discuss this because I'm I'm honestly open to change. Like maybe the maybe the buddy bench and teaching empathy is the correct thing. Uh, my gut says no, but I've my mind has been changed a million times in this lifetime. When you you give me something reasonable, you you give me a sound argument. I'm listening. I'm listening. That's what a lot of people don't do in this lifetime. They don't listen anymore. You gotta listen. When you listen, you know what happens. You become enlightened. You might change your mind. So surround yourself by a bunch of people that don't believe necessarily what you believe, and and then you can go. They're quacks. They believe in UFOs, and that the UFOs are going to come and take them to another lifetime, and and they have to kill themselves. Uh, a la the that that quote Heaven's Gate, but you have to listen. So now when I said uh, at the party, hey, you know they're teaching empathy in schools. I don't know exactly how I feel yet, but I got attacked. And the minute you attack me, uh, now I'm going to push back. Now I'm defend. Now I wasn't prepared to defend this topic, but now I'm going to defend. I'm not- now I'm anti teaching empathy in school. I don't know enough about it, but you you push a comic in that direction. I'm going to just keep. I'm going to I'm going to be as absurd as possible. And I'm going to have fake empathy for the rest of the day. And I'm going to rest of the night, the rest of that party. I'm going to. Oh, does any. Anybody want the last piece? Of, I don't want to take the last piece of pizza, and then and then somebody doesn't have pizza, and then they're upset. And like I was doing that all. Now I'm gonna annoy the hell out of you. Well, here's what happened, everybody. I didn't let these three vegans bully me. I pushed back, and I kept pushing back. And guess what? They kind of saw my side. They kind of saw my side. In fact, one of them uh, even commented uh, under the video. Proudly that she was one of the vegans. So, you know, maybe everybody can just uh, shut up and listen and then speak. I mean, I'm open. I'm open to change. I've been wrong about a lot of things in my lifetime. I've, I've changed course. That's what intelligent people do. They change the course. They take the facts. Oh, science. You know? Like, maybe you grew up in a family where... They don't believe in things that they that, that are incorrect. Change course. Change course. Smart people change course. You know what smart people also do? Surround themselves by other people that are smarter than them and get information from them or put them in charge of things that they shouldn't be in charge of. Yeah, that goes on too, believe it or not. That goes on too. Believe it or not. So this, check out this documentary. This is Bruce Springsteen. It's called uh, Promise, the Making of... Uh, I can't remember the album. Uh, Hardness at the Darkness at the Edge of Town. It's the album after Born to Run. Arguably one of the biggest Bruce albums of all time. Broke him out. And then he sort of loses his way as an artist. He doesn't what what am I all about now? What I was this thing. And then I become became famous. I'm not that thing anymore. I've seen fame destroy more people. I want to talk about this all in episode 13 of What's Wrong with Orny Adams. I've seen it destroy. I've seen it corrupt minds. You don't know who to believe anymore. What made you great, what made Bruce great was his beginnings. And then you know what fame does? Takes that away from you. It denudes you of that. It denudes you of your ax 
access to your old friends, to your old lifestyle, sitting there on the buddy bench alone, observing the world. Guess what? A lot of great songs have been written from the buddy bench. A lot of great songs. That's why it's important to have buddy bench. It's a, it's important to have hard times. Bruce explains, explains how after, after he did, uh, um, Born to Run. I have so much to say. My head, I'm I'm having exploding head syndrome right now, and I'm not even asleep. And I'm just I'm just praying that my alien hand doesn't hit the wrong button like it has on 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 every episode. But Bruce said, "This is this is when I fall in love with with an artist." Okay, he said, "More than great, more than great." He said, "You can't you can't lose that thing that's in you." Listen, listen to this clip. Maybe I built it up too much. That's where a lot of the people I admired drifted away from the essential things that made them great. And more than rich, and more than famous, and more than uh, uh, happy, (laughs) I wanted to be great. Yeah, you, you see that? That's an artist. We're not worried about happiness. We're not worried about... Uh, being married and, and living that ty- type of life. We're, we're worried about crafting the, the perfect joke, crafting the perfect hour, and having people say, I get it. I get what you're thinking. I want to talk all, all about this on 13 because it, I'm going to bring Bob Dylan into it because I always thought Bruce was a ripoff of, of, of Bob. And it wasn't until this moment I go, this guy's got soul, this documentary in 2010. And now I'm obsessed with Bob Dylan. In fact, when I was working in uh, Edmonton, Canada, the owner of the club, Rick, took me out. He had a car that had, it seems very unsafe, on the dashboard to the right of his steering wheel was a a TV. And he played at Bruce Springsteen's. We were driving and watching videos. I don't know how that's safe. And he put on this Bruce Springsteen live from Madison Square Garden and that changed my life. A lot of things have changed my life musically. The Last Waltz, Martin Scorsese, which I have a signed copy of. Bob Dylan. A lot of things of books have changed my life that I, I, you know, I ran into this. The other day I was hiking in Los Angeles and I ran into somebody and she goes, oh my God. She goes, I'm listening to your podcast right now. I thought, oh, this is amazing. I've, I've just run into somebody that, knows me and is listening to the podcast. This is so surreal. This is what the, the young kids would call meta, right? Or maybe not. So <laughs> we talked for a few minutes and uh, I said, are you like, when I talk about like a documentary, do you watch? She goes, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to tell you because I, I don't want you to think I'm weird, but yeah, I'll, if you mention like a, a movie or a book, I'll watch. I thought that's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Like when I, listen to things or respect people and they mention something, I go home and I research it and I buy it because I want to get into that person's mind. So no, it's not creepy if you get in into my mind. Now, if you stalk me and I find you outside of my house, yeah, that's creepy. So I want to talk about all this on 13 because I have so many clips. I have so much to talk about and, and I'm just, it's, it's all over the place, but let's, let's, let's talk about uh, Stephen Allen Green. Okay, and let's. This is a clip. Stephen Allen Green is a comedian. Lives in Los Angeles. Was living in London for some time. Had what 
he claims much more success over there. I can't verify any of this. I believe him. He seems to be very honest. I like very honest people. I like people that don't hide their flaws and don't pretend they're all rich. and There's no posing. And it's upsetting that posing does work. You know, that fake it till you make it. I've never believed in it. I can't f- feel good about myself. Like, I see comics online. They'll go, sold out. Sold out. First of all, they didn't sell out. I'll call that club and go, that comic sell out? They go, no. Then they'll, they'll post a picture. It's packed. and Sold out. Call the club. They go, it's all comps. I go, okay. I mean, selling out means you sold tickets. Giving away tickets doesn't mean you sold out. Now, nothing against comics who aren't selling out. I don't sell out all the time. A lot of the times I don't. And I want to talk about it. But my reps go, don't, don't mention. One time I was in somewhere in Canada, small town, and I didn't sell out. In fact, nobody showed up. It was snowing, and I posted a picture of the empty comedy club. And I said, uh, you know, this is my show with great humility. My, my rep said, take that down. Because if other comedy clubs see that, they're not going to book you. Well, I mean, how can I be up on stage and be honest and truthful in who I am? If I if if I'm lying to my audience, you can see it. You can see when artists, singers get up there and they don't own their words. I own my words. So yeah, maybe twenty people showed up for that show, but guess what? They got the best show I could possibly put on on that night. And sometimes these twenty people give me a standing ovation. And then I think when I'm on stage, I don't scold those twenty people. Shame on the other people that didn't show up. But I don't know why reps always want us to hide, hide, hide. Who gives a shit? And Steven puts it out there. And I respect that about him. Okay, I'm going to play a clip right now. This is from Steven, and it, it probably is not easy for this guy who came from wealth and had had success in England and felt like he was really part of this comedy game to now be driving me, a younger comedian, to the airport. So let me play this clip. I'm back uh, in the car going to Los Angeles International Airport, being driven by a friend, Stephen Allen Green. I'm the funniest Uber driver in Los Angeles. What other Uber driver has been on Conan as an actor, hosted Comedy Central in the UK as an actor... Um, comedy store, quote unquote, legend, had an incredible international battle with Jerry Lewis. What other Uber driver can compare? How did Stephen Allen Green, that guy with the means, the resources, the drive, the excitement, the vigor for life, and, and a career and a dream, end up 20 plus years later now driving an Uber? What you have to understand about me, what everyone should if they're interested in what happened, is that when I went to England, for a long time, I was treated like a a genius. What happened was I lost everything. I lost not just my home in London, but I lost all my careers. When I left England, I had a national TV commercial running, voiceover work. And I was headlining. Let me just And I lost my car because I had parking tickets when I was in England because my mother's assistant was no longer collecting the mail. There was just a lot of shitty things. 
And I reached out to my old Beverly Hills therapist who sent me an unpaid this bill. Is, this is bring up a good point. When I first lost everything, I was still in England for another six months, right? I lost all my income streams at once, and I was losing the house. Well, how was that? How did I lose all my income streams? Mm-hmm. So, uh, my income streams basically were threefold. I had family money, and then that ran dry. I had my, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I did an act for a long time, as you know, where every show is my last. I tell the audience I'm quitting show business uh, because I got high on the laughter. I had to quit. And then I was funny. So the, it was bookended with this reality that mm. is, you know, that got the audience's attention. Did you have a fake gun on stage? I did. Or, I was here, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I did. And I would try to close my act by, you know, very, very high drama comedy kind of like this is the answer for me and hold up the gun and then I point to the heckler and then I got a lot of laughs out I mean, of do it. you see the irony you're a guy who had this act yeah I do and you've become your act it's yeah. become a reality yeah. yes 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 yeah. yes that's I was the biggest joke in Hollywood and I go there and I'm like the biggest act for like five minutes or ten minutes whatever it was so you get the do you get the difference between when you were doing this as an act and yeah and it was funny and, and yeah. the difference in tone well, between of, your posts now it was funny but I got criticized, people, you know, uh, you know, criticized me for doing that. But in England, they understood irony. That's the difference. And I got so many gigs that I actually went to go see a therapist because I said, the audience is cheering this American putting a gun to his head and saying, pull it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it got to me, even though doctor, psychiatrist, person, I know that this is all part of the kabuki of it. But they were cheering because they knew it wasn't real. Yeah, now right, right. I'm afraid it's real. No. So I just, you asked me a really good question that I wasn't expecting. Which is? You, you said, why don't I engage under your posts where you're seeking help? But you've, you've, you've answered that, which, right? Well, you, there is another component. I think your post may be scaring people and people are afraid, afraid to, to help me. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's scary because then you become uh, a project or like. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the fun. This is, this is, you bring up a good point. When I first lost everything, I was still in England for another six months, right? I lost all my income streams at once. Let's get back to what we were talking about your <laughs> Facebook posts. <laughs> Because you said... I take them down, by the way. I look at them five minutes later, and I take them down. And I come back, and I go, oh, no, that that's... I better take that down. Well, and, what's interesting is you actually brought up a good point. You said, you're admonishing me for my Facebook post, which, uh, I don't know, you didn't use that word. No, I didn't. No, you're not much. Not I'm saying, what I had just said, I think, what you're referring to, <coughs> excuse me, is that what I'm saying is, is that you started this conversation basically with the theme of why are you putting such negative posts on Facebook that you're going to harm yourself, you're done with life, isn't that going to hurt your career, people aren't going to hire you, Uh, and now we're doing a podcast where you're asking me why I feel that way, and so... So You're saying the post achieved something, getting you on this podcast or having a discussion. Oh, that's trivial, I I wouldn't pivot a point from that, although that is true. Do you understand? Well, no, what I'm saying is, is that... Your fascination, rightfully so, with my psychopathology, how I act out in public, um, you're, in, in a way, advising me as a friend, don't do that. 
don't, you're hurting your career, Stephen, by saying these depressive things. And now we're doing a whole podcast talking about these depressive things. So which could be more harmful? Well, I'm fascinated by people that expose themselves at the level that you are. Because I couldn't do it. And I find it... Well, do you ever have those feelings? Do you ever feel... Every single day. What, every what? hour. You, I what? quit in my head. Right. I write my, my resignation speech to my agents. Every single day, Stephen. We all do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I keep it inside. And I don't... And I, and I say, this is a moment. I'm having a moment. And uh, and, 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 and then I, I, I go to the side of my head that's positive. It's a very small side, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I, read, I read what I have that I should be... Uh, proud of, excited about, and thankful for, and and I think of those things. And so, listen, if if you want to go all out and say I'm doing a character, and this character is this guy, then then brilliant. Let's get you a reality I, show. I think I think okay. Here's here's what I think the answer is because I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, well, I don't know what happened. It just stopped. Huh? Oh, oh, I. Okay, I see. Sorry, it's I, I'm at uh, 75 minutes here, and I'm sorry. My my mind is it's now mush. My eyes are, are bloodshot. You know, I it takes a lot for me to do this because I'm really focused and dialed in. It's just me having a discussion with myself. I nobody bounce off of, and I'm working off a computer and a soundboard. You've heard you've heard all this before. Anyway, that's how I ended the clip. That was a highly edited clip of. A conversation with Stephen. I didn't edit out anything that, you know, alters the course of the conversation. Stephen is very difficult to edit because he just goes on and on and on about things. And you're like, I just need this one. I feel like I'm a journalist. I just need this one answer to this. I need three sentences on the. You hear me. I'm going to play you because I, an update. That was from 2019. I'm going to play you. December 2020, an update on Stephen Allen Green. Last week, we did a tour of his apartment. I'm happy to tell you we did a a tour and we broke down everything that was in this small room that was like 12 by 15. And there was a a mattress, which I thought needed to be replaced. Stephen disagrees with me. I spoke to him on the phone last night. He disagrees. Well, I said on the podcast, let's do a GoFundMe. I said, if anybody lives in Los Angeles and has an extra mattress, please reach out. Good news, Stephen. A listener wrote to me on what's wrong with com. said, I live in Los Angeles. I'd like to give Stephen a mattress. I, this may be a new mattress, Stephen. Please, please don't make this an issue. Don't make this person regret giving you a, a, a mattress and maybe other furniture. Don't make it difficult. Don't make it difficult. Some people get in their own way. Including me. Okay? Did you guys want to hear me say it? (laughs) I'm about to play for you now. An 18-minute clip of a conversation I had on the balcony of Stephen's apartment in Hollywood. I found the circumstances he's living under um, a little bit shocking. And I think he understands that. But I think you'll enjoy this conversation. This is the way comedians comedians talk, and I've I've said plenty about my my adoration for Stephen Allen Green. Let's do this. 
Okay, I'll get I'll get closer and yell. I just we're yeah. we're trying to be COVID safe here. We're on the balcony. What's that? You mind? No, of course not, dude. You know I don't care. Stephen's lighting a cigar. Do you smoke in your place? No. So you come out here to smoke? Okay. Stephen Allen Green, we're Hello. back. Hey. He gave me a nice tour of his apartment. Here's the deal. I, I put you on an earlier episode. And people have reached out to me, and they said, we found this guy interesting. We enjoy his candor, the fact that he's open about his failures. And what, how, how is Stephen Allen Green doing? And, and I have the same feeling for you. Like, I look at Stephen Allen Green, and I go, this guy on social media. <laughs> Don't look at me like here, here comes the zinger. But here it comes. Stephen Allen Green is so open about his. You're giving a master class on failing. Well, you see, this is what I take issue with, okay? First of all, um, failing, uh, you know, if you're going to call it being he's open and honest, everybody fails to some degree, and also people misjudge situations in themselves. But not only that, but I feel that I boast enough about my successes, whether it's getting through a day Mm -hmm. or... Let's look back at the past and look at a TV show I created and produced. Oh, you're not I mean, kidding. You're one of the hardest people I've ever edited. So I, I'm trying to put together a second piece. This is what everybody wanted to know. On the last podcast, I left off by saying, is this where you expected your life to be? How did Stephen Allen Green end up like this? Well, and first I, of all, I don't agree with the end up theory, okay? Because if you're talking about a normal timeline. If You know, I didn't end up anywhere. I'm, I'm in a vehicle. The vehicle is the apartment. The engine is the computer and the screenplays that I'm writing. I, um, I, I envision buying my London flat back with a screenplay or two. And that will make that happen. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of the apartment, it's been rough. Management's been horrible. There's been bed bugs and cockroaches. And uh, they came after all of us when COVID hit. They tried to evict us illegally, etc. But in the meantime... We formed a tenants association of which I am the president, and we have good legal representation. So I feel safe where I am. And here's the truth. If I got somehow, which is unlikely, considering the circumstances and our representation as well as our legal standing, if I received uh, you've got to get out in 10 days and I saw no way out of that, I could easily do it. Mm. Easily. And everything's a blessing because... The truth is, how are people getting by right now in the in the country when there's no like you haven't been driving Uber? So right. what source of income do people have to survive? And what do I have? To well, no, I don't want to because you just yelled at me. We just, tried I just to, yelled at you. Just, you just yelled at me. We just yelled at you. You just yelled at. We had to stop the recording and start over. This is take two because I got scolded because you said I don't want. To, this is why I didn't want to do your podcast because you 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 lead me into questions I don't want to answer. So. Yeah, I'm, so now I'm making it very broad. How do people, not Stephen Allen Green, yeah, how are me. people, right, making, uh, you know, and Okay, I'll answer that. Good question. Good way, way to put it. So I imagine the way other people. And by the way, in the future, could your people just email me what questions I'm allowed to ask? Go ahead. You took, you took all, you just took all the leverage out of my punchline premise I, uh, by with that, she, with that. So, you know, it's like you gave me a great setup, a perfect 
pitch over home plate. I was about to hit a home run. Oh, I know. I know what and I'm doing. You know exactly what I you did. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Guy, Ornie Adams, I've never worked with you in a, on the road. I'd love to one day. But I imagine if you're introducing me, which is unlikely because you'd be headlining, but if you were introducing me by, like, this guy's great. He did this in England. He's really funny. A great guy. Of course, he's got some personal problems. Please welcome <laughs> Stephen Allen. Well, I, all day. I, you know, I was excited to see you because I, I do consider you a friend and I enjoy your energy. I consider and, you a friend. No, Thank you, Your Highness. Yeah, when we're listening, when I was I've listened to hours of our conversations in Ubers trying to pull pieces to play for people that are curious about you. You're very interesting. You really are. Thank you. And I'm thinking, what? Which Stephen Allen Green am, am I, I going to get today when exactly. I go? Yeah, I know. And, and then every time you texted me between, you know, when we made the time for today uh, and when I walk, was walking up the stairs, I'm thinking, oh, please don't cancel. Please don't go crazy. Please don't have conditions. Because you get inside your head and you lose your shit. Like after I posted the last podcast, you went nuts because your name was spelled incorrectly uh, and you didn't think people were going to find you. And now I'm, I, tell I everybody how to nuts. I just you went nuts. You went nuts. You see, you're ruining my reputation out there. No, no you're one, ruining your reputation. I did not go nuts. What do you mean I went nuts? You just yelled at me because I was... Just like you think I yelled at you right now? What I'm saying is, you said, what, what, what business is this that you would bring this up for people? And I said, well, you post about this on social... And you said, well, a lot less people follow me than follow you. Well, also, I control the audience that, you know... Yeah. Look, I'd love to for your people to... Pay attention to me, of course. You know, you're always thinking in this business. You never know who's listening, and you know. I guess what I'm concerned about, to be honest, is that, um, and I felt really conflicted about this for years. Is that, you know, I've had people tell me, scold me, friends of mine, and said, you know, you're ruining your career. No one wants to work with you because they see your social media posts. And I think a couple of things. I think. The first thing I think is, well, those people are fucking illiterate because there's so much condition before I post something that important. I edit it. I save it as a draft. I look at it with a cold eye, meaning I pretend I'm not myself. Mm -hmm. I also look at it in terms of context of other things I've recently posted and, and in context of the world, what I'm really speaking about, maybe about the virus, not about myself. Mm -hmm. And I really analyze it to death. Now, uh, having said that, there have been times at 3, 4 in the morning when I wake up, I'm half awake, and I post a horrible shit, but I take it down. Yeah. We, t- we talked about this, and I right. played it, and also, we sort of left off where you asked me if I had thoughts like this, and I said, yeah, I just don't post it. But, yeah. and, and I've scolded you. I see you do things I want to I scream, like when you're crying you're broke and, and you're having trouble paying rent and eating, and then you get a stimulus check, and what do you do with the stimulus check? Put the mic to your mouth and say it. Put it. Say it. What I did bu- you? I bought some Coke and Thai hookers. <laughs> you bought a bike. A I bike. Bought, I shopped for... I wanted to strangle you. Yeah, I, I, yeah well, the gym's closed. I'm mm-hmm. overweight. My health and life depend on exercise. And I, I wanted to get a very expensive bike, and then I thought, you know, no, I don't. I got a cheap, cheaper bike than I've ever had um, for my health reasons. And uh, I, I, it was also mental health in terms of being locked up and being out in the world. So I saw it as a necessity. Are you using it? Not as much lately uh, because I've got a very bad knee, a trick knee or a surgery, mm-hmm. and you, you know, so that's one of the problems 
but I just want to finish the thing about posting is that I, I, I am sorry to everyone who I've made worry about me at times. Um, but I also think that, uh, to be honest, you know, I know people, it took me a long time to realize that people have enough on their plate. They can't take anything from anybody else. But I've had enough people that have seen through my postings or my pathetic nature on, on uh, social media sometimes that says, this is a good guy. He just needs some encouragement. Or maybe I'll buy him a meal. I haven't had anybody have to buy me a meal in, in almost five years. Mm. And I'm proud of that. I texted you a couple of weeks ago, just out of the blue. Do you remember what I said? Uh, not, remind me. I just wrote, I adore you. Yeah, I know. That was weird. And what did you write back? You should. <laughs> yeah. You got cocky. Well, I had started editing our conversations again, and I thought, this, I, I, really, I, I really enjoy talking to Steve. So Alexander. what is it about me that, that you adore? First of all, I like people that have some tragedy in their life. I find you to be refreshing honest i can't stand people that are full of shit and hide their flaws you put it out there you own it and you'll even say it's embarrassing that's the type of person i feel i am and i like to be around i'd rather be right. around that than somebody that just covers it up pretends they have money when they don't have money right pretend so they're successful exactly, they don't obsess buy followers all that shit so i do yeah. i like you i thank i you. would put you on a show in a second thank you i See, would this is this is exactly my argument about people who've said you know uh, you're ruining your chances of success in Hollywood because you put these things out there. I only want to work with people, even though I'm beggars can't be choosers. You know what? I'm not a beggar, I, but I can be a chooser. And I really only want to work with people that have feelings mm-hmm. and can say, gee, that happened to me 10 years ago. Or, gee, considering this guy has no place to sleep but his car, this was like five, six years ago. Um, he's very clever. I like his attitude. You know, but what pisses me off is that very, few, very few. I mean, maybe there have been a lot more than I remember. I like when people reach out through that, like yourself, mm-hmm. and 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 you happen. We happen to have known each other because when I was flush with cash back in the '90s in New York and flying to London and bringing you back Cuban cigars, um, you knew I had money at one point, and. Uh, not having money in this town is an embarrassment. Nah, nah, I disagree. I really do. I think I see people with money all the time. They're the most unhappy people. I agree with that, too. They're the fakest people, and uh, there's no character. You've got character, Steve. You have a lot going for you. People are rooting for you. I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've, uh, I, many people reached out to me, and they said, we want an update. They want to make sure you're okay. You're clearly doing okay. You're going to get through this. It's only going to make you stronger and better. You're writing. Yeah. You're writing more than ever. You're yeah. excited. You're excited about what you're writing, which is really the most important thing yeah. in this business. And you're a fighter. You're a fighter. Yep. So many people aren't fighters. You'll be. You'll be fine. I know. And I love you, Orny. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you are. You like. Uh, this kind of reminds me of my childhood that. Uh, I was not part of the, you know, the cool guys, the sports guys, the girl guys, the tough guys. I was with the nerd guys, the odds, the misfits. And we collected amongst each other. Um, 
And then what would happen is behind the scenes, there was always a cool guy who wanted to be my friend but didn't want the other cool guys to know. And there was one year when five of these cool guys from the same little group were privately my friend. <laughs> they didn't know. And, and I see you as a successful comedian, respected as a comedian, because that's what you have. I don't have that in this country. I don't have people who actually, I think, respect me. I'm sure you do. No, as a, as a, I know they respect me, but I don't think people respect my my. Uh, That's another thing I do like stand about up, you. For example, I haven't seen you stand up in years, uh, not since New York, but you've incredible self awareness, which I respect, and humility. And you're also you're like me. It's like we can go after each other. Right, you can come after me, and if there's truth in it, like if, yeah, if you start going, looks like you. you looks like you have a little belly or something. Yeah. I can laugh at it. Like yeah. we don't take ourselves too seriously. Well, you have that self awareness as well about yourself. That, well, I guess that's what is self awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I have self self awareness. Yeah, you're aware that you're self aware. God, I, your teeth are white. Yeah. How yeah. do you do that? It's just uh, money. So st- <laughs> <laughs> I figured. Those are good teeth. I, I, I want to wrap it up because I'm actually... Wrap it up. I'm just getting warmed up. I know, but I've got to... I'm just I've, getting warmed up. We're, we're going to leave them wanting a lot more Stephen <laughs> Allen Green. Uh, yeah. So you're doing fine. I'm, yeah, my attitude's great. Good. I'm getting through the tough times. You're not posting as much, right? Weren't well, you I'm actually... I've like got a uh, gone fishing... Well, my last post... Okay, let me tell you about these last thing about the okay, posts. Okay, but do it quick. Do it quick. And then I have one more question. So okay. just... Are you posting as much as you used to? No. Good. Do you feel better about that? Yes. Good. Do you need the attention or the uh, um, people validating your posts as much as you did before? I never did. Okay. Yeah, you did. In the last conversation, don't you said, uh, how come you don't comment under my post? How come you don't tell me, I hope, I hope you get better or stay in there? Of course you do. You're human, Stephen. You're human. Well, that's arguable. Okay. Can you tell us quickly, because this is where we left off yeah. in the initial episode. Yeah. I asked you, please, if you go into the, the Jerry Lewis story, just quickly, what, what led to you losing your money? What was it? Was it you paid Jerry Lewis a lot of money and then you lost it? Did that project flop? What, what is it? In, in one sentence, one minute, please. Indulge us, Stephen Allen Green. One sentence. Yeah. I invested everything I had in an international television show filmed at the London Palladium with over half a dozen Americans who I flew over, put in the Hilton Hotel. How much money did you lose? Or is that too private? It's hard for me to figure out, but I spent well over, on that show, including publicity and production, and there were two shows previous years, I think I spent close to $175,000. And you lost your flat? You owned a flat in London and you lost it? Well, seven years later, I did. Okay. But I was carrying that bubble of the debt. And since Jerry refused to do the publicity, it cost me everything. And I listened to the entire story because you went on for about an hour. No, I'm just giving you the specifics of the money. I'm not going to play because he's, you know, Jerry's deceased. We can't get his shot. Oh, my God, you didn't know? This is a really important question we're going to end on. Yeah. Really important question. Do you blame Stephen Allen Green for where you are right now in your life, or do you blame others? Well, that's such a loaded question. 
Yeah. What? Wh- <laughs> why? Can, why can, blame? Why well, not thank? Okay. Who do you thank? Do you thank Stephen Allen Green for where you are? The truth is, Orny, there have been a lot of people over the last 10 years who helped, who, some who literally saved my life, some who bought me a meal, and some who just gave me a hug, who helped save my life. I guess I can take some credit in that I, I had to learn to be cr- extra creative, like you know, you wouldn't believe in how to manipulate a a free couch or get a job that I never thought I would do. Um, So there's been a lot of growth. Good. Because, you know, when I was listening to our previous conversations. Good. So when I was, yeah. No, because it was a lot of, then this happened to me, then this person did this to me, then this, then this, then this, then this. Oh, I was blaming? Yes. And I, I thought, does he take responsibility? Oh, well, I can answer that very clearly. I take full responsibility for everything that happened in London, including the Palladium, including hiring Jerry Lewis, including sticking with him when Jackie Mason was warning me to run away. What it meant to me was I was doing a great thing for a great comedian who I believed secretly. Let me just finish. I'm, I'm just almost I'm going to edit this out. You're an idiot. I'm editing You're, this out. Let me just fucking no, I'm editing, finish. I'm editing this You're out. You're an idiot. I don't care about you the specifics. Are, He's not here to defend himself. I was giving you. I wasn't going to say the specifics, you anticipatory Who fuck. Who cares? Most importantly. This piece of shit. Listen, stop. Cur- See, are you yelling you, at me now? You fake. <laughs> you fake. I can't wait to open the show <laughs> with the previous clip of you. Going, don't don't yeah, put that well, on there. Yeah, that's that's just, what I'm opening yeah, yeah. with. I'm waiting for your text. Please sign this release form. I will send you. I will send you what I'm going to play ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, sure you will. Okay. <laughs> I have a beautiful poetic thing to say at the end, and you fucking cut me off because it just goes on and on. You're the because hardest you have, person in the world. You have no to attention edit. span. No, nobody does. It's it's the Stephen Allen Green pontificates from a from a balcony on Sunset Boulevard. Time. Listen. <laughs> most importantly, where can people find? Find you because, in the Asade Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Thank you. And Stephen Allen Green, legendcomedian.com. It's legend. It's it, legendcomedian.com. Who decided you were a legend? I did in the sense that it's quote unquote. It's quote unquote. It's a joke on myself. There. Okay, that I get. That I get. He's legendary. Look at him. He's living. He's homeless. He's rich. He's Jerry Lewis. That guy's a legend. That kind of legend. I get it, dude. Thank I love you. you, man. You're doing great. You look great. Thank you. Are you? What's happening with your career? Everything shut down. Are you doing car shows and nothing? I'm just, I'm just enjoying doing this podcast. Okay, that's the truth. All right, dear. And thank you to anyone out there listening, Orny's fans that are concerned about me. I appreciate you. They find you uh, interesting, as do I. I find them interesting. Oh, wow, wow. I'm enjoying this podcast, which is a full time job that doesn't pay. I find him refreshing. Stephen Allen Green. Find him on social media. I enjoy the banter back and forth. And there's lots of laughter. That's what comedians do. Doesn't matter how down you are. Comedians keep laughing. That's how you stay alive and stay young. What an episode. This has been an epic, epic episode. This is my longest this is it for all the people. And believe me, people are emailing me, what's wrong at Orny Adams? And they're saying it's not long enough. I, 
I, how much more can I give? This is free. I'm not asking for a dime. I'm, I've given you my life. Do you want to? Do you want to hook a USB C cord into my head and and just download all my thoughts? I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Or USB uh, not C if 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 you if you're not if you don't have the current code. How many different USB cords have we had in our lifetime? It's there there. There was USB, USB 1, 2, 3. There's 50. Every time you buy a new computer, now you have to buy all new USB cords. Get your shit together, USB community. You want to know what's wrong with uh, USB cords? They're not uniform. They cost us a lot of money. There's a lot of things that are wrong, and I'm tired of it. I'm sick of shitty blueberries. The blueberry community, have a little bit more pride. Don't give us the mushy, mealy ones ever. Ever. Pull those aside. Put those into a juice or a puree or at the bottom of yogurt. But don't sell them to me in a plastic container. Blueberries have really gone to crap. When I was a kid, they were really small. New England had small Maine blueberries. They were small and packed with flavor, and they were never mushy. Those Maine blueberry people had pride. Now, now there's no pride and blueberry growing in distribution, as far as I can tell. Driscoll's, read about them. They took over the market. That's what I want to talk about, too. You know what? I'll look into Driscoll's because I don't know enough about it, but I remember reading about it at one point. And I want to talk about venture capitalists and how they're ruining the world and what they did with WeWork, and they shut down the competitors. And I think Driscoll's, I better not talk about Driscoll's too much because they might be run by, you know, bad people. But, okay, You've taken over the blueberry market. Can you get back to giving us good blueberries? At what point in my lifetime did fruits and vegetables go from tasting great to uh, looking great, tasting like like nothing? Tasting like nothing. Bananas. Do you know bananas have changed in my lifetime? They used to always be brown. They used to, Now they all look perfect. Everything's got to look perfect. Think about that. How emblematic is that for society? Everything has to look perfect, but not be great on the inside. And that's what's going on with blueberries. And I also don't like the way they price these blueberries. I don't like that they're always $3.99, but sometimes you get 16 ounces of them. Sometimes you get 12. And now we're down to the four ounces, four ounce little plastic container of blueberries. I want, change the prices. Stop trying to fool me. Because the four ounce looks a lot like the eight ounce. And I thought, oh, this is a lot of blueberries. And then I get home and I, I only, that's all I got. I got, I'm, I'm just tired of it. I can't take it anymore. What's wrong with blueberries? He's got great big eyes. Orny! Orny! <laughs> Put them together and what do you got? Thank you, Kirk, Eric, and Vicky. V-I-C-K-Y. Don't don't do IE. She'll get upset for helping me make this theme. I want to thank Stephen Allen Green. I'm sorry we didn't get to the Bruce Springsteen. On the next episode, I'm going to talk about perfectionism, getting the perfect sound, which is what I've been battling on this podcast. I've been trying to get the perfect put this down for a second. Let's get serious one more time. I was, this entire episode, I was going to talk about perfectionism and how Ernesto and I have been trying to get the perfect sound for this podcast. When I finish this podcast, I hand it off to Ernesto. 
Ernesto makes sure all the clips are balanced because there's a lot of clips coming on off the board, coming off my computer, in my voice, and he makes sure it's right. Sometimes he helps me pre-edit the clips. And we've been fighting, not fighting, we, we've been not fighting each other. We've been trying to find the perfect sound. And that reminded me of this Bruce Springsteen documentary. And that's what I'm going to talk about on the next episode. It might be out before Christmas. If Christmas is still December 25th, or if COVID changed that, you don't know. You don't know. So I want to thank Ernesto Hurtado. And let's let's recap a little bit. We had uh, 90 Day Fiance, right? Yeah, we had 90 Day Fiance. We had Stephen Allen Green. We discussed comedy writing. And we discussed... How difficult it is in 2020 to just order a sandwich from a human and why they want us to go to their app. Sick of going to your apps. I'm going to talk to people again. I don't want to do everything. Mendocino Farms, you want me to uh, go in there and make the sandwich too? You want me to go go to the supermarket and get you any food that you're missing? Want me to do the ordering? How about payroll? I'll do payroll and then I'll clean up when I'm done. What's wrong with Orny Adams? Episode 12. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to keep in contact. Email me at what's wrong at orneyadams.com.